Hi, this is Jade, and welcome to Fireside Chats. And uh, happy you could join me today. And we're going to be talking a little bit about fear from the standpoint of certain organs in the body and how fear really, from the level of anxiety or stress, really affects these different organs in the body. And mainly so that you can do a little body scan with yourself uh, emotionally and just see if you're experiencing some of these things and taking a look at that and realizing where fear may just be the culprit. And, you know, fear is interesting because we're really admonished in all of the mystic writings and all of the theologies. They all warn us against fear. Um, I know in some ancient Egyptian texts, it's even been noted that fear is the one application that is punishable, that will cause your, your very soul to be eliminated if you cause fear to another individual. And it just seems to be something that we really are to avoid. So I started looking into that and thinking about that a very long time ago, as a matter of fact, about why fear, why we are cautioned so much about it. And, you know, even today as we look around, and this is not a political show, but as we look around and see all of the fear that we've got going on just in our country right now, and how people are not thinking. Because one of the things that fear does, one of the most detrimental things that fear does, is it paralyzes us. And it causes us not to be able to think cognitively, logically. We sort of run on this emotion and it runs amok. And anyone that comes up to the microphone and we're just engroped in this fear and, and not really able to think and move forward on any level, and that's why fear is uh, such a powerful emotion and something that we really need to pay attention to and guard ourselves against this. When we feel ourselves walking down this fear, when we feel ourselves not being able to have faith in tomorrow and even faith in each other, then I would suggest that we take a deep breath and take a look at that. You know, one of the beautiful things about taking a deep breath is it breaks up whatever pattern we've got going on. If you're starting to become angry about something, if you can stop in the middle of that and just take a deep breath, not even a cleansing breath, just a deep breath, it interrupts where you're going. It interrupts that emotion and stops it from building. One of, one of the really good tools that I learned over the years was to do that, was to just stop and take a breath, and that it immediately stops the escalation of wherever you're going. So I wanted to take a minute and just look at fear as an incorrect perception. Because when we narrow down fear, when we boil it down, that's what we have. We have an incorrect perception, and it's an illusion. Because once we go down that path, once we get into fear and we become all wrapped up in the emotion, then we're frozen. And we are in a place where we lack certainty, we lack faith in a creative intelligence. And I will say a creative intelligence here. Uh, for many of you, that may be God. I don't know. I do not make any judgments there. For others of you, it may be uh, faith in the unconscious realm uh, or conscious intelligence or the creative intelligence of the universe or the law of mind, whatever it means to you. Um, but having faith in that, having that faith in that power that moves through you that is yet outside of you but moves through you, and so you can access this power anytime you need to. This is part and, and, and parcel of who you are at that soul level of your being. And when we forget that, when we lose faith in that, then we become very subject to fear. And once we're in that fear mode, we're like a herd. Uh, you know, we're like lambs to slaughter. We follow anybody and everybody and whatever they tell us and whatever we think we can do to uh, abate the fear because it's such an uncomfortable place to be in. 
And when we're in that, we will just literally do anything to get rid of that feeling. For many of us, it is moving away from faith when we need to be focusing more on it. One of the things that I noticed about the quarantine, and for me, I self-quarantine all the time, being an empath and being a writer, I'm forever locking myself out from the rest of the world anyway. But one of the things that, um, that I noted is that you could use this time positively or negatively. Negatively in that you're gluing yourself to the televisions and totally wrapping yourself up in fear that escalates more and more, or you can use that time to go within and anchor yourself in that light, anchor yourself in that universal awareness that there's not an absentee landlord, and yes, we're going, I like to say, we're going through a reset, that the planet just has to reset herself. It's like enough already. And so we're going through a reset, and we just need to flow with it. So that's why I wanted to, to talk about fear and keeping in mind as we move through this, that definition that fear first and foremost are incorrect perceptions. Whatever it is that you're afraid of, if you can move out of the emotion that you're dealing with at the time, take a few deep breaths and start to really look at it, you'll find oftentimes that it's an illusion. Because many times we're afraid of something that may occur that hasn't occurred. And it takes us out of our now moment. We start to project into the future. And we start to, to imagine all of these things, all of these demons and conquers and bonkers that are going to occur that more often than not do not occur. And we forget that we are a self-fulfilling prophecy. So if we keep going down that road, we absolutely are going to create in our life, in our world, and our affairs that which we are afraid of. I am reminded of the story of Job when he was defending himself and, and talking to the Creator and recounting all of the misfortune that had occurred to him, and he was just regurgitating it over and over and over again until it became a self-fulfilling prophecy. He wound up losing everything. And as soon as he was able to turn himself around and get back into what they referred to at the time as right thinking, then he was able to manifest again and even more abundantly than he had before. Now, I don't believe that the creator is a respecter of persons, so I believe that it was his knowledge and returning to the idea of prosperity that did the trick. So I wanted to talk today just briefly about three areas of the body that are really affected measurably by fear on any level, and that's the stomach, the heart, and the knees. So I want you to just sort of turn your attention right now just to the stomach. And think in terms of the stomach is where we process our reality. You know, sometimes we say to ourselves, you know, I've just got a gut feeling. You know, I feel we're in a scenario or in a situation that comes up and, and you know, we've got a choice to make and we go, you know, I have just got a really bad feeling about that. You know, in my gut, it, this just feels wrong. Something is, my stomach is turning. And how many times have we had that feeling? And what has happened to us, more importantly, when we have ignored that feeling? Uh, I know I have many, many times in my life uh, had a gut feeling that I ignored and up to my detriment, to be sure. So let's think in terms of the stomach here uh, and, it's, you know, the stomach is associated with digestion, you know. And so when we look at that is that this is the area where we process our reality. This is where we form our ideas about other people and about ourselves. This is that area. And when we have these old tapes running from our childhood or, or running from uh, even the time of our, our period of time in gestation during the womb, this is where we, we get this foundation laid down about uh, the ideas that we're coming into the to, uh, realization, what we're going to be manifesting. 
all of these old tapes are lodged in this stomach area. And these are ideas. These are ideas that we're formulating, whether they are accurate at the time or not, depending on when we accept an idea as truth, then this is going to be forming in that stomach area, and it is going to be the foundation of our reality, what we believe is or is not true. And when we affect any kind of change, that's where we're going to start from. We're going to be in this area when we start to reprocess and, and reshift our reality and our ideas and the thoughts that we've got going on. And when we're working in the stomach area, you know, we'll notice that uh, we're in a process of either letting go or holding on. And I say this because let me put a caveat here. There are certain um, there are certain pharmaceuticals that you may be taking for whatever health issues you've got going on that one of the side effects is constipation or it just may be IBS, uh, and that is a side effect of that pharmaceutical. We're not talking about that here, but we are talking about when you have are not taking pharmaceuticals and when you're just dealing with or you have been diagnosed with stomach issues, then I would admonish you that as you're working with your health professional, then on a spiritual and emotional level, you start to look at how do you see your reality? How do you process it? And how do you process? What do you think about? What are your ideas about those people in your life, those people in your world or affairs? And more importantly, what ideas are you holding on about yourself? And if you're having uh, chronic constipation or if you're having uh, this, uh, uh, the IBS, you know, one thing about uh, constipation is the idea from a spiritual soul level is about not allowing things to simply pass through, holding on to whatever idea that crosses you, just holding on to it tightly and not allowing it to just pass through. If it's something that you do not need to hold your attention on and allowing that to pass through releases that, and in releasing that, it releases that flow. And conversely, IBS is just the opposite, and it talks about looking at the need to have an acceptance and uh, have a nurturing from a parent because remember that when we're young, there has to be a balance uh, as a parent. I know that I'm a mother of three, and uh, to my children's uh, chagrin, I came along and raised them in the 60s. And so I came from that school of thought uh, of being, you know, more rigid and, and a strong disciplinarian. Um, and I did like to hug and kiss, but really a strong disciplinarian, and I was consistent. Um, but understanding that it could have been tempered a little more. However, I did not know that. So I was coming from, I was a child that was um, that did not need a lot of, of coaxing per se. I didn't need a lot of punishment. Uh, I sort of, you know, give me my box, and whichever way I'm supposed to go, I'm fine with that until such time that I draw my own box. And so I did not really require a really strong, firm hand, although I grew up with one. And so my style of parenting was there were certain things. I was so ill as a child because I was not forced to eat what was good for me. I did not have to eat. I went to bed hungry many, many, many a night, not because there wasn't any food, but simply because I didn't like what was for dinner. And I was not forced to eat. And the end result of that, I was such a, a sickly child that when I started having children, it was not an option. I was very rigid about that. When you came to the dinner table, I cooked what would keep you healthy and strong, and there was no discussion and no flexibility. And when I look back on that, I know it was coming from a place of fear. I was so afraid that my children would experience the illnesses that I experienced as a child for refusing to to eat a healthy, nutritious meal and being allowed to refuse. So 
So I looked at that as, you know, you know, you're not doing what's best for me because you're letting me just do willy-nilly whatever. And so I wound up every year being pretty ill behind whatever was going on. And so I did not want it. I was very rigid there. And then I understood as I started to get older, I, had, I suffered with a lot of constipation and colitis, lots of those, those stomach issues without realizing that this is where it was coming from, this, this rigidness and this um, not allowing things to just kind of pass through and just holding on to stuff and holding on to ideologies and angers and those different things that affect the stomach. And starting to understand that when we think in terms of the stomach, Think about that. It is processing our reality and allowing things to funnel through. So are you holding on or are you letting go? Are you in a place where you understand um, that if you did not, if you're an adult at this stage of, of your life and you can look back and not in judgment, not in anger, but looking back in, you know, why do I accept myself for who and what I am right here and right now? And if you don't, and if you're having a lot of the uh, the irritable syndrome or, or a lot of your stomach issues, start by asking yourself, do I really accept myself? Do I accept myself where I am? And if I do not, why not? And sometimes when we talk about uh, the nurturing from a parent, you know, we have an idea of what that nurturing is supposed to look like. But understand that we form the idea of what nurturing is supposed to look like when we're very young children. And one might say, okay, this is what I think I need, and I'm not getting this from the parent that I have in my life. And we look to our mothers specifically for nurturing. And as I'm writing in, in a book right now, Parenting Through Pain, we do not understand the pain that our particular nurturing parent, be it a male or female, is going through trying to parent, as in the case for simplicity of me being allowed uh, to eat what I wanted to eat and go to bed hungry if I didn't want to eat. Nobody was going to go in the kitchen and cook something specifically for me. It was like, well, I'll go to bed hungry and I'll see you at breakfast time. And so that equated to me in a lack of nurturing and, and, and a lack of you taking control as the parent. And so this is what I absorbed. And it was very difficult. And it left me with a strong fear because the end result of that being allowed to not be nurtured the end result of that was when I did have my own children, I had a morbid fear of having sick children and children that were ill because of my failure to parent correctly. And I had to really look at that. And as I started to look at that and as I started to understand where a lot of that was coming from and I started to heal in that area, then all of my stomach issues literally went away. And I've not had any any real problems with them since. And whenever I do, the first thing I do is sit down and I go, is it the food that I'm eating uh, or what's going on in my head? And I look there, what's going on in my emotions, what's, what's happening here? Um, I was talking to a friend of mine and we laugh about I had been uh, buying a certain food item from a particular store because, you know, admittedly it's hot and I didn't want to cook and I would run out. And it got to the point that every time I would eat this food, I would just be sick and my stomach would just go into flips. And I stopped and I had to think about, okay, what's going on here emotionally or is this completely, totally physical? But I do stop and look at it, and that's one of the things that we need to do moving forward. And I would share with you that this is what makes the journey of life so important, and it can be a lot of fun when we start to look at our life as self-discovery, when we start to look at our body as telling us what we need to do. Because that's the function of the body. When we create and have these conquers and bonkers and things like that, no matter how devastating that dis-ease may be, 
It really is not coming in to punish you. It's coming in for you to recognize. It's the, it's the way that the soul is communicating to you. This is what you need to look at. This is what's hiding. This is one of the bugaboos that are keeping you from moving forward or expressing fully the way you should be and where you should be and what you came to do. This is a reminder of this. And I say this because we directly, when we come out of our digestive issues and when we're looking at that, and as I said, looking at how we're processing our reality, looking at those ideas um, about others and self, and looking at those old tapes, and again, put down the stick. I do not believe in judgment of ourselves on any, at any time. And for any reason, no matter what it is, you are a divine, beautiful, celestial being having a human experience. And at no time do you need to pick up a stick and treat yourself with anything less than awe and appreciation for who you are right now and what your journey is in front of you. And if you start to do that, life becomes a lot more bearable. As a matter of fact, it can be fun as you laugh at yourself while you're moving through your journey. So I want to take a minute here and talk about another very important art, uh, important organ for today when we're talking about fear is we're talking about the heart. And one of the things about the heart is very interesting that when we are when we come into being and we start we first start to create our body then the first thing that forms is the heart and the circulatory system. And I always think that is really something that our emotional connection, our emotional self is the first thing to form. And I think in terms of that because this is where our passion is. This is, this is that soul matrix forming the heart, the seat of our emotions that is going to drive us in this new expression of life that we have selected. And the heart holds that, and it gives us that, that love, that passion, that desire to move forward into whatever it is that we came, whatever gift we came to bring to the planet, to give to, to our fellow beings on the planet with us. We all bring a gift. We all bring something to share. And how many times has it been said by various writers and authors that so many times we leave this life expression with all of our joy and our passion and our love and all of our gifts within ourselves. We never share it. We hoard it like some precious jewel, and we forget that we brought it to share. Because ten people can stand up at the podium and all ten people can say the same thing. Even what I'm saying here is not new knowledge. This is from the mystics eons of years ago. It's not new information. But we all have an energy. We all have a delivery. We all have a, a way of saying it just a little bit different from another person. And that's because it's our unique feeling, our unique energy. And so we should always never be afraid to speak whatever truth you have going on at that point in time simply because somebody else might not agree with it. That's okay. If they don't agree with it, they don't need to agree with it. I know I've listened to singers that I've thought to myself, how on earth are these people packing stadiums? My goodness, can they hear themselves? But it's the, it's the energy of that singer that is affecting that particular audience. And they think that it's absolutely great. And so we form our heart. We form our passions. And then we go about living our life holding on to our passions like a precious jewel that we don't want to share. And when we do that, we block off more than our passion for living. We block off our very joy, our very essence, that which is going to give us a sense of purpose. Because believe it or not, it's very, very boring to live on the planet with no sense of purpose. And to see that we have these gifts and you're supposed to shed your, share your life Feel your life. When, when I leave this planet, I don't want anything left. I want to be totally 
completely wiped out and ready for my next adventure because I have used up everything that I brought. Now, it has taken me a very long time to get there and a very long time to understand that. And so I hope that you that are listening to me now, if you have this passion locked up inside of you, let it out because fear, that is how it incorporates in the heart, is that lack of passion, that lack of joy that makes life worth living, that makes you get up in the morning and go, this is the day, I think they say, this is the day that the Lord has made, let us, let us uh, be glad, however that goes. And standing up realizing that, that this is a perfect, wonderful day. This is the first day of the rest of my life. What am I going to do with it? And realize that you need that sense of joy. You need that sense of joy to bring you through, especially when you are living in a climate of fear, which is what we are living in right now. So we definitely need to keep a a good tight rein on that fear because we are surrounded by it. Those of us that are empaths are definitely having a hard time of it right now. And sometimes I, I was sharing with a friend of mine not too long ago that my body will say, go to sleep because I've had it. I, you know, I can't take it anymore, so you need to go to sleep for a few hours so that I don't have to battle this. And I realize that that's what's going on is that it permeates the air. It permeates in our atmosphere. And so we have to especially be diligent. I was uh, told just a few days ago, and I had to laugh about this. I had gone to bed, I think it was Tuesday night, and um, when I got up Wednesday morning, I was told by one of my guys that all day today you are to look at comedy, and you are to, and I mean comedy, stand-up comedy, and real comedy. I don't like a lot of satire. Satire is fun in its place, but I needed to laugh. And so I literally, I come from the age of the, the Richard Pryors and the Eddie Griffiths and the and one of my favorite is George Carlin. And so I got up on Wednesday morning, I actually cleared my day and I got on my computer and fortunately you can see all these guys on YouTube and all of their specials and things and I laughed hysterically all day. I just laughed. I laughed. Some of the things, some of George Carlin's uh, stand-up things, his HBO specials, which you can see on the Internet, I, I laughed till I cried. I just thought, this is just hysterical. And looking at some of the uh, pre-accident um, Eddie Murphy, and then there was a comedian that I never followed and saw him Wednesday for the first time, which is Eddie Griffith, and I could not stop laughing. But I realized that my my soul needed to laugh. My heart needed to laugh. Things had gotten way too serious and way too heavy. And I got up knowing that I needed to laugh, and I cleared my day, and I laughed all day, most of the day. So understanding that this is what happens when you go into anxiety, when you go into stress, when you experience that fear in your heart, be aware of where is your joy quotient. Look at that. Ask yourself, uh, am I in joy? Have I laughed? When is the last time I laughed, really laughed? And let me tell you, if you can't remember the last time you laughed, you're overdue. And you need to find something, some comedy, something that makes you laugh. For some people, I know it may be Abbott and Costello, and that's dating myself, but I remember when they used to have their routine and, and Dan, uh, Rowan, Rowan and Martin, and, you know, back in the days of early Goldie Hawn. Those things are funny. And if you can see them, if you have not laughed in a long time, then find them and start to laugh and start to bring back your joy, bring back that sense of joy, because this is what the heart holds. It, it holds our passions, and when we follow our passions, then, then we really do not have, no matter what your heart issue is, it really can be resolved when you understand your heart and when you understand what it's made up emotionally. You're starting to have heart issues many, many times if it's not congenital, I'm not a physician. If it's not congenital, 
then a lot of times it can be traced back to this failure to laugh, to follow your passion, whatever they are. Dust them off. Find out what they are because this is what makes life worth living. Life is a journey. Throw out the idea of a destination and start to focus on your here and now. Start to focus on your journey. What might that journey be? And start to embrace it and have a good time with it. And stop concerning yourself so much with what's going to happen tomorrow. Tomorrow is another day, and it really never comes because when tomorrow gets here, it's today. So if you pull, pull away the need to always be, you know, like that squirrel, you, you know, you miss the nice weather because you run around gathering nuts worrying about the storm for tomorrow. You have to trust the universe. You have to trust whatever God you serve that it's going to help you through that it's going to be there, that you're not out here alone. And we're not out here alone. I, I follow the celestial route. I choose in my belief systems to believe that my celestial brothers and sisters are here for me. And I've had many, many, many experiences to show me that, yeah, they do exist. And I don't have to be looking at them, but I've had very real situations occur, life and death situations occur in my life that they made themselves known to me. And so from then on, I always knew, and I still know, that when I get too far off track, they're there, and they're going to be there. And so living a life with that kind of certainty is great, and I wish for all of you that kind of certainty. And I want to talk, wrapping this up, about the knees. Now, I think the knees are especially fascinating in that I've spent a lot of my adult life working on my knees. Now, I thought in my humanity that my knee issues came from the fact that I used to run the 440 and I was a big uh, track person in school and I, I did a lot of that, a lot of running, uh, pretty athletic. And so I thought, okay, well, as I got older that, you know, my body's going, okay, my turn, I'll get you for everything you put me through. And, you know, you can see a lot of times you see the athletes, uh, the NFL players, when they get off the airplanes and they've retired and you see them walking and, you know, you can just tell that they're in a great deal of pain and they're retired. So this is what I thought. I thought this was revenge. And I started having so many knee issues that I started to look up. I said, okay, well, my clients are coming to me and they've got arthritis and osteoarthritis and all of these knee issues and different things, and I started to think, what? Let me let me look into this. What are the knees? And I was very surprised, and I had to laugh that you know, in a spiritual esoteric field, the knees are where we have our stubbornness, our unbending attitudes, and and. Also, the inability to just move forward and accept diff different ideologies. And have you ever found that? Have you ever found yourself uh, just really stiff and inflexible and I shall not be moved? And I know I have. And I had to laugh when I looked at that because I thought, oh, my goodness, talk about stubborn. I, had, I have a very uh, a strong stubborn streak and that I have spent years and years and years working on and Thank goodness I have vibrated that stubbornness up to uh, uh, just being set in my intent and being firm on my intent with a great deal of flexibility. And now a lot of times when I like setting intents, I don't even set goal setting anymore. I don't set goals. I set intents because for me a goal means concrete. And, you know, like one of the chapters in my book, what's in a name? A name denotes your perception of a thing. And so when I looked at that and I thought, go, go elicits in me rigidity. I have enough trouble with rigidity. I don't need to do things that are going to cause me to be rigid and inflexible. And for me, that's what goal setting meant, is that I was going to be rigid and inflexible and, you know, whatever. And so I learned to use intent because for me, when I use the word intent, it almost conjures up for me a mental image of a very flexible hose that is tied, uh, it, it's tied to a base and so it's going somewhere. It has a very definite end result, 
But if you look at it and you lay it out, it kind of stretches and wiggles. And, you know, it just, just kind of willy-nilly goes there, but it gets there. And it really gets there within the framework, but you're allowing for flexibility. You're allowing to shift. You're allowing yourself to change. You're allowing yourself to even, even be receptive and open to a different way of achieving your end result. And so I stopped using goals altogether because of what it conjured up for me, that rigidity and that stubbornness and, and, and not wanting to move forward uh, because I didn't want to accept a different ideology or a different way around it and that stiffness and things. And so I had to start to really uh, look at that. And once I started to look at that, now, okay, I need to change my wording and my perception, and I need to realize that when now if one of my knees acts up, um, and it still does because I brought that stubbornness with me and I can be rigid if I'm not paying attention to myself. And so for me to keep me out of that rigidity, I, I tend to look at a lot of different ideologies. I tend to read a lot of different material. I tend to sometimes read material that right at the first paragraph I can say, I do not agree with this author. But I will complete that book because it was something that my father said to me years and years ago. He said, you read for the author's sake because you have not done the author's research and you have not seen what the author has seen. So take advantage of what that author has seen and been exposed to and see if you can't learn something from it. And so I tend to do that, and I find it keeps me out of that rigidity. It keeps me out of freezing my mind and not going wanting to move forward. And when I get into that fear, when I'm getting ready to do a project, like I've got several projects going right now, and I have to tell you that fear was was a, a really major component, and I had to sit down and talk to myself. And first of all, tell myself, now you're standing in fear, and your body is telling me, and I would rather prefer to get it at my knees than to, give it at, than to get that, that nudge at the heart and stomach, let me tell you. I'd rather have the knee because it will be like a quirk or a pain or just a little stiffness, and that's a lot easier to deal with from my perspective and my point of view. And gets the message across to me really quick. You're in fear. You are uh, unbending in your attitudes, Jade, so get it together. And that, for me, is that wake-up call. That's that little nudge that my body has given me to tell me, listen up. You know, you're in fear. This is where you are. And it's your knees, so you're being stubborn. You're being unbending. You're being inflexible. You know, getting a little stiff. Get it together. And so when we start, and that's what we're going to be doing on my show all the time, is we're going to be looking at the body not as your enemy. And I would also suggest to you that you created this body. So stop using, looking at it and using it and thinking of it as your adversary or your nemesis because it's neither of those. It is not adversarial to you. It is a mechanism to warn you and to remind you and it is wonderful to have a body that does that, that tells you, listen up, you're, you're out of balance. And that's really all that's going on with us when we have these diseases, when we have these things that happen to our body, these conquers and bonkers that show up. Then looking at that, taking the time to stop and take a, bit, a big breath and then saying to yourself, what is my body trying to tell me? And depending on the body part that's being affected gives you a hint as to where you are emotionally. It, it is that little nudge that if you're having that in your stomach, if you're having these, these problems with IBS or constipation, if they're not pharmaceutically induced, then start to think to yourself, okay, what am I doing here? Or have I not forgiven? Am I not accepting of who I am right now? What does my reality look like? What does it look like? If I was to sit down and draw my reality, what color would it be? Am I going to have a bright yellow golden sun 
or I'm going to have a cloudy day. And if it's a cloudy day, why is it a cloudy day? So we have our emotions, and our emotions are gifts. There's nothing that needs to be stifled here. It needs to be vibrated up. It needs to be understood. It needs to be accepted and appreciated as this is where I am right now. Why am I in this place at this point in time? What is my soul trying to tell me? What am I ignoring? I, I have a thing that, uh, that my clients and people that have attended my workshops over the years know that I always say that, you know, when the creator is trying to tell me something, it uses uh, a pebble, it uses a rock, it uses a brick, a boulder, and a mountain. And I always like to keep my nudges from spirit to the pebble stage. I don't need to, I definitely don't want a mountain dropped on me. And I don't even need it to get to the brick stage. So a, a pebble is fine. When I get that little pebble, even to the point if I get a headache, and I rarely ever, ever get headaches. And I mean, about 25 years ago, I used to get migraines. And when I found out what spiritual causes cause that migraine, I've not ever been bothered with one since, and I've never had to take medication. And so I looked at that, but that's because when I start to, when things on my body start to hurt, I start to look at why. Why is this happening? Why am I, am I congested? I'm congested, why? I'm having something twins across my stomach. What is my soul trying to tell me? There's a knock on the door here. What's happening? What am I not looking at? But I do not look at my body as my adversary. I do not. It's part of who I am. It expresses who I am. And it lets me know when corrections are needed. And I don't compare my body to anybody else's, not a magazine and not what anybody tells me my weight should be or what anybody tells me. I, I gauge my body by my body, and I have a really good open relationship. And if there's anything that I need to do differently, then my body is going to let me know that there is something that I need to do differently. All I need to do is listen up. All I need to do is be cognizant of that relationship. And so if you're dealing with knee issues, if you're dealing with, uh, with uh, some heart issue that you may be having, uh, even if it's just shortness of breath, sometimes when I say, but how is your joy? Sometimes if, I, if I'm sitting uh, around and I go to take a very deep breath and I'm having a problem with that, then I ask myself, okay, what is going on in me that is restrictive? Where am I not being open? Where am I not being flexible? What's happening here? Because I need to be able to take in life in its fullness. And if I stop myself, I want to know why. Why am I stopping myself? What am I afraid of? Because I guarantee you that when you slip everything away, when you, when you peel it all away, you're going to find fear sitting there, hidden there, like the inside of a pea in a mattress that is there, that is there. And so I want to uh, take a minute. I hope I've given you some things to talk about, and I'd like to open up the lines here if Anyone has a comment, something that they would like to tell me, uh, the call-in number is 888-627-6008. Call me up, and um, we're going to open the line for any questions that you might have uh, on the topic that we're talking today, or even if there's something that you would like me to talk about uh, in the future, uh, give me a call, let me know. Uh, or you can drop me an email if you don't have a mind. So we're opening up the lines, 888-627-6008. Uh, let me hear from you if you're out there. I have a question. Okay. Oh, what does it mean when the bottom of your feet hurt? Is well, there a spiritual significance to that? I'm sorry? I said there's a significance to that? 
Yes, uh, feet represent understanding. And sometimes when you're having pain in that area, it is because you are not allowing yourself to understand something. And um, this, is, this is where we have those issues because that, sometimes we have neuropathy there um, where there's not a lot of circulation and things. And I always equate that to not wanting to understand or not being able to understand. It's sort of the equivalent of, of not listening to the answers and even maybe asking questions but not listening. And there is a break uh, in the heart because, of course, you know, neuropathy, the veins are directly going in through the body and around through the heart in the circulatory system. So there's going to be a blockage there. And that is the failing to open up and to understand and to be giving and loving. And you wind up having that, and it will happen in the bottom of the feet because feet represent our understanding nature. Thank you. You're welcome, and I would look at that. I would just take it in my meditation and just say, you know, what am I not understanding and that disconnect with my heart? Where am I not maybe being forgiving, maybe not being accepting because it's going to be connected? Hmm. I know I'm a smoker of cigarettes for the past 35 years. Could that be it? You were a smoker or no longer? I am. Well, how do you feel about cigarette smoking? Do do you subscribe to the fact that it's not good for oh, you? Oh, of course, have of you course. Already decided it's- of course, of course. There you go. Well, that could go. that could be it. Maybe that's the issue. It Interesting, could be how- because mm-hmm. then you ask yourself why you smoke. Uh, you know, there's a reason for smoking. Smoking. Uh, on oh, a spiritual sure, level, smoking sure. is connected to nurturing. Well, yeah, it's the constant level of rewards for different. Yes. right. You get used to giving yourself. Exactly. You know, so many people don't have even rewards, so they find it where they can, right? Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. It's that nurturing. It's it's the nurturing when that not feeling nurtured, and that's one of the reasons why, uh, you know, food is connected to nurturing of the mother, and that is why so often people that smoke, if they eat, and after they eat dinner, they find that they have to smoke because it's connected to the nurturing. Hmm. Yeah. Never thought about it that way, huh? No. <laughs> yeah, it's good. When you look when you look at things and start to look at it, it really starts to make sense. As I said, life is not about a destination; it's a wonderful journey. And those things that we have elected to do, the fun of our journey is coming to understand ourselves and have that relationship and know what's missing. That's the wonderful thing about the psyche and the body; it tells you what's missing by the habits that we pick up. And nurturing is connected to the stomach, which is connected to food and our digestion and our reality. And when we have not been nurtured in a way that we feel we should have been nurtured, then we take up various things that we do, as in smoking. And when we finish eating or we have a really good meal, the first thing we want is a cigarette. It's that satisfaction. It's that that nurturing feeling that we miss. Makes sense. Yeah. Do we have any more callers out there? That's the only issue I have. Every I wake well, up happy. Well, then I want to uh, end with this: is that there's a wonderful movie that uh, that demonstrates fear and what happens. And I thought it was done very well. It's an old movie called Defending Your Life with uh, Meryl Streep and uh, Alex Brooks, I believe, is the male in the, in the movie. And he, of course, dies, and he goes to this place where you are actually on trial, for, per se, and you have to defend the actions that you've done that you did on earth or did not do. And there's actually a defense and a prosecutor. And where you, if you, what determines whether you proceed on to your next adventure is, or whether you return to earth, is based on your level of fear, how you have handled uh, challenges in your life. Have you been afraid and run away, or have you been courageous? 
And during the movie, you know, you see this and he goes into trial. And it is shown that he has spent his whole life playing it safe and being in fear. He never did anything that was challenging or anything that he was afraid of. And he moved through his whole life that way. And so they're showing different aspects of his life and different opportunities that he had to face his fear and go forward. And the at the end of the movie, and he falls in love with Mel Street, and at the end of this movie, they're, they're now ending their, uh, they've ended their trials, and now they've got these different trams. And some of the trams are going into the future and into the next life of the soul, and other trams are headed back to Earth. And, of course, he has lost in defending his life, so he has to return to Earth because he has not conquered fear. And he's on the tram, but he's in love with Meryl Streep. And he, she's going in a different direction into the unknown. And he's returning back to the known. He's returning back to Earth. And he jumps off the tram, and the tram is moving. He jumps off, and he's running as fast as he can to catch her tram that is going into the unknown. And, of course, everybody, all the deities, and, you know, they're all watching this. And they decide that this is the strongest aspect of courage that this soul had ever displayed. And they rewarded him by slowing down the tram and allowing him to catch up and go into the unknown. Because he was willing to face the unknown for love. So it was really beautiful because they're talking about fear. This whole trial in defending your life is about looking at your fears and how you handle them. And we look at that. And so it's very important that we handle our fears. So until the next time when we will have another subject that we'll be talking about the emotions and specifically how they affect the body, um, this is Jade Lauren, and you can visit me or shoot me an email uh, either through the station, uh, the bbsradio.com, or you can send me, drop me a line, jade at uh, fourlifedesign.info or jade at orchestratingyourlife.com. I'd love to hear from you. If you have any show ideas, anything you'd like me to talk about, please drop me a line. There may be somebody else out there that needs to hear the same thing. So until we meet again, have a wonderful day, have a fantastic week, and have a great journey for the rest of your life.